It seems as though there are a lot of people who are starting to think again about moving abroad, living abroad, and traveling abroad again. I know I've been getting a lot more messages recently from those of you who are thinking about moving abroad, but in this video, I specifically wanted to talk about a kind of a top five list of sorts of some of the things that I would do before leaving a country. Hello there, I'm Rafael Di Furia, back at it again on another Friday night for another episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter for this expat podcast series that we are doing here online. <laughs> Recently, I got a message from Nick S. on Instagram asking if I had done a video on a top five list, uh, top five things to do before moving to Italy. And so I wanted to make it a little bit more broad because I think really these same things that I would say about moving to Italy could be said about moving just about anywhere in the world. I mean, there are a few extreme cases, which I will mention later in the video, which I know I've found interesting and some of the reasons why I've said some of the things that I have said over the past few years, or more than just few years by this point, uh, in, in this series that I do, there's always a reason behind what I say, and I'm going to get into that a bit later into this video. But let's get into the first little section here. Of course, got to bust out the glasses, put them back on. Hopefully they don't fog out because it is hot. It has gotten very hot here in Italy. And especially where I live, it has become very humid and the mosquitoes are out. Those little blood-sucking vampires are out like crazy. I mean, just where I happen to live is famous for its mosquito population. <laughs> but anyway, so the first thing that is on my list is don't just go. Make sure you have the legal ability to go what it, where it is that you're wanting to be. Um, you have to really be able to answer questions like, can I just arrive there and then live there? Do I need to have a visa before I arrive in the country? Do I have the ability to get some type of visa that will let me stay there once I've arrived in the country? Or do I have to actually do it in my home country or my country of residence? And then also other things like, Will there be any restrictions on the type of visa that you can get? Even something like what type of visas might be available to you can be a huge, huge piece of the puzzle. Um, maybe you're married to somebody from that country, or maybe you have ancestry from that country. Like for Italy, for example, if you're of Italian descent and eligible for Italian citizenship by descent, Jure Sanguinis, then there's a way that you may be able to stay in the country during the process of getting Italian citizenship. Uh, there was a restriction on being able to get work here that changed a little bit, but that's another subject for another video. But this is just, again, an overview. So how can you stay in the country? Of course, if you're a citizen, you're not going to have any restrictions on even your ability to work. That's a huge one. So many people don't even understand uh, that to go to a country and to be working there, you have to have the legal right to do so. I mean, even recently with the whole Brexit thing, I don't know if I mentioned this in a recent video, but something that has been happening to Italian citizens going from Italy to the UK for, um, for interviews, for work, they have been thrown into uh, immigration detention centers 
and sent back to Italy because they technically didn't have the right to be there and working and this and that and the other. And this was a huge thing that Italy called out. I was like, yo, hey, this is not cool. You got to you got to let up a little bit because even though you may not be part of the EU anymore, like, let's play nice with one another. <laughs> but then even in regards to somebody coming on a visa, uh, you need to know about, like I was saying before, some of the restrictions that may be in place. Like if you're a student, is there a maximum amount of hours that you have? that you are able to work during the week or during the month? How is that handled? Or is there any type of limit on movement? I know there are some countries in the world where if you are there, you're really supposed to stay in the area where you're going to, or limit on time that you're able to be in the country. Six months, three months, five years, one year, two year. It all is something that you have to keep in mind and make sure that you play by the rules and understand what the restrictions are so that you can make sure you are in a position that if you need to renew your visa, that you have the ability to do that. And number two on this list is about work. In this day and age, to move abroad, if you are not a citizen of that country, it will often be required that you have a work visa to come in there or some type of maybe clerical visa, something that will allow you to be in the country and actually do what you need to do to get by from day to day. This can come in a number of different forms, of course. And in many countries, to get a work visa to arrive there, that will require you to have a work contract and potentially even somebody that actually sponsors your visa that goes ahead and say, hey, we'll vouch for this person and they are coming to work for us. That will be your way into the country. But there are, of course, some places in the world that are much more friendly to people who are digital nomads and can just have the ability to work from their computer as long as they have an internet connection. And so you want to find out, is it legal for you to be in that country and earning an income and then there are, of course, countries where there is a legal gray zone where, yeah, you're on a vacation there, an extended vacation of sorts, but you are going to be working on your laptop during that time. There are some countries in the world where that is technically not legal to do. If you are doing the work physically in the country, even if you're getting paid in your home country, by doing and executing the work there, that can be a problem if you do end up getting caught. So something to be aware of and to just know that depending on what country you decide to go to, you really do want to make sure you understand the system very well. But even regardless of having work in the country, it is very good to have a financial cushion that you can land on. Especially if, say, you are somebody who isn't getting Italian citizenship by descent and you're coming to Italy and you're staying here for a while, you want to have something that can last you for a while and even more than what you might expect to pay because some places that you might go to might require you to pay, uh, say, six months of rent in advance or three months or some type of deposit for you to actually be able to stay in that apartment. For example, I know I was talking to somebody in Lisbon, Portugal recently, and they were saying that in that in that area, in the center of Lisbon, it is very normal for landlords to ask for six months up front. And then so you've got to have your six months and then be ready to pay the next month's rent once you're in there. So this is this can be a very hefty sum of money up front. But just anyway, to begin with, say you get to your job if you've lined one up before arriving this way, if something doesn't work out with the job, 
you have something that you can sit on and try to get a little comfortable with and something that can keep you afloat just in case anything goes wrong. You always want to make sure that you have something that you can rely on. Not to say that there are exceptions to the rule. Like, I mean, throughout history, there have always been people who have gone from one country to another with nothing in their pocket. But of course, that's not necessarily the most advisable if you are coming from a place and that you have the ability to save up some cash before leaving. I can say that I have done this. <laughs> I've, I've gone to a place with definitely a lot less than I should have had and have made it work, but just barely. But I mean, even there's a story that I'll never forget. It's something that I always grew up hearing about uh, one of my ancestors who came to the United States. And it was something that always inspired me and later on made me say so many times, even like my one of my parents uh, doesn't come from the United States and all my family that came to the United States, it's like, well, if they can leave their country and go to another part of the world, why can't I? And so the story specifically that I'm referring to is um, one of my ancestors arrived in the United States in the early 1900s with literally nothing. Like when I say nothing, I mean nothing, not even a penny in his pocket. But when he arrived there into the United States, he somehow was speaking to someone and their heart went out to this guy. So they gave him an apple, but he didn't eat that apple. He was a smart guy. He, he, was a, he, was a, he was a mover and a shaker. What he did was he sold that apple. With that apple, he bought two apples. With those two apples, he bought more apples. And with those apples, he bought more apples and more apples. Eventually, he had an apple cart. Eventually, he had a store. And eventually, he had a line of businesses. And then eventually, he owned a bunch of real estate. Then the crash came and he lost everything. But he was able to build his life back up again. And this was something that I always found very inspiring that just from an apple, just from a handout that somebody gave to him, he was able to completely turn around his life and get his family out of a horrible situation that they were in, in the country that they were from. And this was something that to me, that if a person is, was able to do this in a time where there was really no connections to other parts of the world that we didn't have FaceTime. We didn't have Skype. We didn't have Google Translate. He was able to do that. And <laughs> I know if I don't have Google Maps or Google Translate, sometimes I know I get lost. So I only have the absolute highest level of respect for this person. But anyway, this is beside the point. But I think it gives a, a good potential that maybe something good could happen to something if they really do push to move to make a life for themselves. This person was able to legally stay in the United States and made a life for himself there and for the rest of us that came along afterwards. So thank you. Thank you very much. But anyway, moving on to the next point uh, in number three. Before you move abroad, before you become an expat, before you start living that wonderful, glorious, picturesque life abroad, the, the, the one that all the Instagrammers seem to talk about, <laughs> all the travel Instagrammers make a huge fuss about, and especially a, a lot of the uh, travel organizers out there that talk about the, the wonderful, beautiful Dolce Vita, the pizza, pasta, and more. Can you see it back there? <laughs> that one. <laughs> well, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see what I'm pointing to. If you're listening to this as an audio podcast, 
come on over to YouTube. <laughs> anyway, um, I think it is very, very important to get into a rhythm and figure out what your life may look like before you take on the expat lifestyle. Because I cannot tell you how many people I have talked to, how many people I have known, how many people I have had just brief encounters with that they saw right away that living abroad was not the right thing for them. They jumped ship and went back to their country. I mean, this is also another thing that if you are moving abroad, the first year is just always the toughest. It's almost just like a law of the universe that the first year is the most difficult and I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but there's like this kind of five-year kind of growth that happens, and maybe I'll talk about it in a future video, but before you leave your country, if you can work remotely, and over the past year, this is maybe the only benefit to the situation that we have gone through globally, is that w many employers have seen that it is possible to have their employees working for them but not necessarily in the office, of course. Not all jobs have this ability to do this, but for many office jobs, it's clear that they don't have to be in the office. And I've said this to friends for years that, that work in these office jobs, these desk jobs, it's like, come on, like, look, you're in a great position. All you have to do, I mean, okay, this is not all you have to do. It's, I know it's a big ask here, but if you can figure out a way of transitioning to a work at home situation and start planning your day as if you're living abroad like say you want to go to Costa Rica say you want to go to Italy you need to try and figure out how you can kind of live on that schedule that you might be living on over there of course if you're going to some place in South America Central America the time differences are going to be <laughs> much smaller than they would be if you are dealing with Italy, where maybe you're dealing with a six-hour time difference, nine-hour time difference, whatever it may be. And so that you can get into that mindset that you might be in. And there are a lot of people that when they go to their next country, they want to travel. They want to experience the life. They want to experience the dolce vita, the pizza, pasta, and amore, and so on. So if you can start working from home and try and Maybe segment your day into these parts that, okay, maybe I'll wake up earlier and I'll get X, Y, and Z done. I'll take a few hours break and then maybe I'll work in the evening or figure out what it is that you are wanting out of life and how you can kind of pack your life around that. Because maybe with your work, it's not necessarily about being in the office that you have to get all the work done only during these hours. Maybe for your position, it could be something as simple as that it's just only the work needs to be done by a certain date, by a certain time, and not necessarily during certain hours. If you have that ability and you have the ability to figure out how you can work from home comfortably and make a great workspace for yourself, then that will be the key. But of course, there are some people who really enjoy the coffee shop workstation lifestyle. I mean, there's plenty of people around the world who've used um, Starbucks as their address on their business card. But by being able to see if you can get these tasks done on your own, you have the ability to try before you buy, so to speak. If you're thinking that you're wanting to be an English teacher and you've never taught English before, and you're thinking you want to teach English online to children 
like in China, for example, which is a very popular thing among uh, English teaching expats, especially during this past year and a half. Try that out first, because I know plenty of people who they just didn't feel like that they were suited to that type of job. But I know other people who absolutely love doing it and really get a lot of enjoyment from it. So if you can do that job from home in your home country where maybe things are a little bit more comfortable, then maybe you have the the ability to do so when things are a little bit less than comfortable and when you're still adjusting to a new life in a new country with a new language and new people. And before we get into the next section, I just want to take a quick second to say a huge thank you to those of you who helped to support this project and help to make these episodes possible through rafaeldifuria.com or patreon.com slash rafaeldifuria or rafaeldifuria.com slash support if you just want to help out one time or for those of you who've bought the shirts, mugs, onesies, and more like uh, posters and so on. And thank you all so very, very much. And let's get on with the rest of this list. Number four, this one is huge. And I've touched on this definitely during this episode, but it's very important to understand the financial and taxation implications of living abroad and what life abroad can be like, especially if you're an American citizen. There can be a lot of things that will come up that are very annoying, and I will say I'm not going to go into so much detail in this video about it, but you need to speak to an American CPA, a a proper accountant, and about what potential tax implications there may be, maybe if there's going to be any type of double taxation, or if you're going to be in a country that has some type of double taxation a treaty between the U.S. and another country. If you're from another country other than the U.S., more often than not, you're not going to have the same concern. But being an American abroad can be something that is annoying. And especially, I can't even say how many people I have known who once they found out their taxation situation in their new country realized, especially Americans who were working online or Americans who were receiving Social Security that they have to pay the taxes on that and the taxes uh, may end up costing more. They had to leave their country of choice once they realized what that would be to them and how much of a chunk that would eat out from their earnings. Maybe the taxes were already garnished in their country of origin and Italy wants a cut of the pie. Or maybe that because of the way that the money is being earned, you have to pay something to the Italian government or whatever it may be. or even. For people who are earning social security here in Italy, this is something that can be taxed in Italy. There are some places where they do have special tax schemes where maybe you can do tax-free for uh, for a specific period of time, or maybe a flat tax of 7%, but the taxes on the social security do have a potential to be even more. There is a certain amount, I'm not sure what it is off the top of my head, um, that if you do earn under it, it's not very much though. Like, I just do want to make that clear that you may not have to pay the taxes on your social security here in Italy, but we're not talking about like somebody who would be living a very comfortable lifestyle. We're talking about somebody who would just be barely getting by. But then on top, there are also the responsibilities, the financial responsibilities that you have to take into account when you're moving to a new country. Like I was talking about before, there may be situations where you might have to pay X amount of months as a deposit in advance to your landlord if you're going to be renting a place. Or maybe if you are going to a a country and you're getting social security and you're living on that retirement, then there will be some countries that do have a minimum amount of money that you do have to be getting into your bank account 
from non-working activities, specifically Italy I'm talking about here, uh, and you can't be actively working, you have to be either getting a royalty or something that you're not actively participating in to get this quote-unquote retirement visa. It's not called a retirement visa in here, but just for the purposes of this video, easiest way to put it. And then also things like getting around the country, you want to make sure that you're prepared for if you need to buy a car, if you need to rent a car, if you have a car that is available to you, then you need to fuel that car up. Or if you are going to be taking public transportation, you want to make sure you understand what are those costs going to be so that you can plan for it and make sure that you have enough, enough extra cash at the very beginning before you get your first paycheck or whatever it is that you're going to be doing in this country or another country that's outside of your home country so that you can be prepared and understand very well what the situation is. Because the last thing that you want to do is be broke in a foreign country where maybe you don't speak the, the language perfectly. And this brings me to my fifth and final point, which I have said millions upon millions of times. Something that I have said plenty of times in this series, learn the language. When I say it, I say it with reason. I'll tell you why in a second. One of the biggest reasons. But unless you're a native English speaker moving to an English-speaking country or a native Spanish speaker moving to a Spanish-speaking country, I mean, if you're moving maybe from South America to, to Spain, maybe there will be some adjustments that you have to make. But if you're a native English speaker moving to a country that is not a country that speaks your language, do not assume people speak English. Maybe in some countries, people will be more likely to speak your language. Maybe you're going to a city where people are more likely to speak your language. But it can be so rude to go and assume that the person you are talking to is an English speaker. And I can't even tell you how many times I've been maybe in a store, a cafe, a supermarket, a, a, a restaurant, whatever it may have been. And an American will walk in and start just blah, 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 yakety yak, all in English, assuming that the people understand exactly what they're saying. And the people behind the counter just are like, excuse me, what? We don't speak your language. Uh, no English, no, no English here, me scusi. And this is by no means something that is unique to Americans, British people, or English speakers of any variety. This is something that happens to a lot of people from a lot of different places that they just assume because everybody where they're from speaks their language that, of course, everybody must speak it around the world. Why? Why wouldn't they speak their language? Because you can get by so easily. I mean, even I had a family member come to Italy once and started, they weren't an English speaker, but they started speaking their language. And I was like, I mean, look, your language is close enough to Italian that maybe they'll understand part of it. And maybe there are people here who do speak that language, but <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It just, it, it, it makes me cringe. It definitely makes me cringe. And, and I'm sure that there are plenty of other people who've been abroad for a while that it just makes the rest of us just like, yeah, we're not with them. We're not with those people. <laughs> but beyond just the optics, so to speak, from a practical sense, Knowing directions, being able to ask somebody where is something or knowing the difference between, I don't know, salt and MSG in a supermarket or not that necessarily you find that in Italy, but there are places in the world where that is something that is very 
worthwhile to know because this is something that they could be sold right next to each other and right on the same shelf. But beyond just like the going to grab a coffee, going to grab some food, going to the hardware store, going to various places. I mean, you do have Google Translate and that is a great crutch to lean on if you absolutely need it just for translating a single word, not full phrases. Don't don't try to go that far. If you translate one word at a time, if you just do a word, that will help you to learn the language a lot better than writing out everything on Google Translate every time. So try to learn some of the language so that you have basic communication skills. But on the other side of the coin, if especially you're a native English speaker, sometimes it can be very worthwhile to refrain from using your language. Uh, There are times when for safety and security or maybe avoiding somebody who's trying to scam you, it can make a difference if you're trying to communicate in that language that is the local language. And very often, of course, it's very easy to tell who's an English speaker by their accent, especially Americans. Many Americans tend to have a very thick accent that people from around the world will make fun of. I know I mentioned this in an episode uh, that I did with Mattia Morelli, an interview with an Italian who now lives here in Italy, but had lived abroad and came back. And I briefly mentioned we were in a clubhouse room and all of a sudden we're, uh, this guy is talking to me and he starts doing an American accent. Like, so boy, like, come on, man. Like I, you hear me. I don't talk like that. <laughs> what do you want from me? I mean, it was funny. It was, it was, we were, it was, we were shooting the breeze, as they say. But back to the point, there have been times where there will be English speakers, maybe that might be targeted for certain scams because they may be seen as walking dollar signs walking down the street. And I'm not saying this is specifically about Italy, but there are times when this may very well be true about Italy. But there are also other times when maybe you might be walking through a place and maybe. People there don't like Americans, or maybe people there don't like British people, or uh, everybody loves Canadians. Let's just be real about that. (laughs) Nobody cares. (laughs) Canadians, you're all great. Like, everybody loves you. It's just like, oh, yeah, you're those Americans that aren't American, but like, they're not American. So, like, they're likable, but they sound like Americans. So, they're almost there, but not quite, but they're still okay enough. There are people that have that interesting relationship with Canadians definitely out there. But really, though, it, 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 knowing the language of where you are or where you're going to be can really make a big difference, especially between the possibility of a situation escalating or de-escalating. But this is the extreme case that I was talking about at the, the beginning of this video. I knew a guy that I used to work with in video production. His work that he had done prior to video production was that he had been somebody who was in the military and was a security specialist, security analyst, and security consultant. Like he was, this guy knew his stuff top to bottom, left to right. He was the real deal. He had worked with some of the best security specialists and military specialists in the world. But he was tired of that, so he wanted to get into video. I mean, I can't blame him, like trading one crazy world for another. (laughs) But the situation that he was in was he, English wasn't his first language. He spoke maybe three or four languages. And um, he had been hired by a company and they had sent him to a particular country. The country that he went to and the language that they spoke there aren't important to this story 
It's more the content, not the context. But that will give you the idea of why sometimes it can really be so very important to understand and know the language of where you're going. So this company had sent him off to this faraway land and where he was staying was in a compound to keep him and the other people working for this company safe and secure. And also for this time that he was going to be in the country, uh, they had hired private security guards to be his personal security during his entire stay there. But this country that they were in was one country of unfortunately a number of countries in the world that suffer from very large problems. And unfortunately, corruption was just one of those problems that many people deal with in that country because of how little people earn there. Uh, they find, well, to put it nicely, um, supplemental ways of earning extra income, even if those supplemental ways may be less than legal. He understood the language of the locals very well. It was like a second language to him. But as far as the security guards knew, he really only spoke English and maybe one other language. They didn't know all the details about him. One night, he was walking uh, from one side of the compound to the other side of the compound. And he happened to just overhear a conversation from his guards. They were having a chit-chat about what was going to happen the next day, which sounded to him normal enough. And they were talking about uh, a plan that they had. Uh, because the next day they had to go to another office in another part of the country. So they were figuring out what the plan to get there safely. But they weren't necessarily talking about the plan to get to the office. They were talking about the plan that they had come up for themselves to earn that um, supplemental income that we were talking about before. Their plan was instead of driving this guy that I had worked with to the final destination, they were going to drive him someplace else and just keep an eye on him until somebody decided to pay for his release. So, he understood this perfectly. They didn't realize that he had heard them or even understood. In the middle of the night when everybody was asleep, he packed all of his things very quickly. He called up a taxi to meet him down the street from the compound where he was staying. Somehow he was able to escape out of the compound, which he wasn't supposed to have even been able to get out of the compound on his own. And he rushed straight to the airport and was on the first flight back home. That was also, I think, one of the situations that kind of led him to say, okay, maybe enough of the security business. Maybe I should look into something else. I don't blame him. Um, so there will be times when for your own safety, and I'm not saying it's even going to be that extreme as the situation that this guy could have been through. But there will be times by understanding what's going on around you that it can help you see the next day. I'm not trying to get dark here, but just to be real, or maybe that there is somebody that wants something from you, or maybe you're just walking down the street and uh, somebody's uh, flirting with you. That can be a great thing to understand if somebody is saying, hey, what's up? And understand the difference between if they're looking for payment or they are maybe genuinely interested in you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just there are a lot of situations in this world that we can come across and communication is the key factor in being able to understand what is going on around you. But I think this is going to be the place where I round out this episode of my top five things that I would say to think about or top five things to do before moving abroad or before moving to Italy. 
moving to Germany, moving to Rome, Milan, England, India, wherever it may be that you're trying to go in life. And of course, a huge, huge thank you to those of you who help to make content like this possible on a regular basis through rafaeldifuria.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash rafaeldifuria. Really thank you also very much for being a part of this journey, of this, 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 this series that I've been creating for years now and helping to make this content possible on a monthly basis. And also a huge thank you to those of you who've bought the shirts, mugs, onesies and more and posters and so on. And even the one-time donations to help this project go on it is so very greatly appreciated so thank you so very very much and of course if you would like to see more content like this about moving to italy italian dual citizenship living life abroad and more be sure that you are subscribed to this youtube channel and give the video a like and share it with your friends because that definitely helps the youtube channel so very very much or if you're listening to this as an audio only podcast be sure that you are following or subscribed whatever it is on your favorite podcasting platform of choice and if you're on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a review. If any of these past episodes have been entertaining or you felt they've helped you, be sure to let me know in a review. And also, if you can leave a five-star rating, that definitely also helps. And again, thank you also very, very much for coming to check out this episode of Not Your Average Globetrotter on this Friday night. Getting closer to what may, again, finally be another beautiful Friday night. For those of you who maybe are a little bit newer to this project... The way that I used to introduce and end off my videos was always by welcome to another beautiful Friday night and thank you for joining me on another beautiful Friday night. And it's starting to feel like maybe we're getting closer to that. But until we get back to normal, it is going to be another Friday night. So thank you for joining me again. Of course, as always, I'm Rafael Di Furia. Stay safe and stay healthy out there. And I'll see you all next time. Later. Later.